It's time for Sports Wrap on 760 WJR. All right, this is the wrap on 760 WJR. To a car phone we go. Dave, thanks for hanging on. You're on 760. Gentlemen, and Stephen Dan, you got the chemistry. It's cooking. Presented by FanDuel. Download the FanDuel Sports app today. FanDuel, more ways to win. Are you calling us from your office? I'm doing Sports Center tonight. With, Are you uh, really? Dan Patrick. Well, yes. I'm very impressed. By the way, give Dan our best. He's a good man. And, I will. Uh, hey, uh, hey, Dan. Chuck Swirsky says hi. This is the best sports rap has ever been, in my opinion. Now, here's your host, Chris Renwick. Oh, happy Saturday to you. Lions making all kinds of moves this week. Uh, we'll get to uh, the, the big news of Frank Ragnow being, uh, he's going to be around for a while, signing a new deal, making him the highest paid center in the NFL and well-deserved. And by the way, isn't he just a quintessential Lion? I mean, just, he is... He is Detroit. I love Frank right now. Glad he's going to be around. We'll get to that coming up here in just a bit. Uh, but big Lions news. And this one, look, Nick, I got to be honest. So this one kind of bummed me out because I, I had a lot of high hopes for carry on Johnson coming out of Auburn second round pick. Uh, he just looked like some, and he had that mentality. And we were out there talking with him. Uh, you know, during, uh, you know, practice or whatever. It just seemed like a good kid and had a good head on his shoulders, really liked the way he ran. Um, but the Lions decided to wave carry on Johnson this week. Uh, and again, I mean, look, you, you look at some of the talent back there at the running back spot, DeAndre Swift uh, last year going high in the second round. And then you bring in Jamal Williams, you bring in Jamar Jefferson in the seventh round this year. Uh, the, the the running back room got a little crowded, and and carry on was the casualty there. It was still a little surprising though to to do it now, because are you really banking on your seventh round pick to replace carry on? Now you're sure. also banking on Jamal Williams to replace carry on, which I think is fair to expect. But carry on Johnson really turned into a great uh, pass protector last year. He was one of the best uh, pass blockers in the NFL as a running back. And he really changed his game after the injuries from his first two seasons. Right. He played every game last year and right. was productive, probably not up to where he was drafted, but I was surprised by the timing of the move as much as No, anything. it's 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 valid. He had 181 yards rushing and two scores on 52 carries and then 19 catches for 187 yards and a touchdown last year. Um, it, so, I mean, look, I, there was – I mean, you, you look at what Adrian Peterson was able to do on this team. He was kind of your RB two yeah. when it when it wasn't when DeAndre Swift wasn't. Well, in the he game. was RB one so, to start the season. Exactly. But I, so yeah, it just it just it, it's it's a it's a shame that again you look at you we we talk, last last week and we talked a lot about draft we uh, the the twenty twenty one draft but we talked a lot about the value of these draft picks and this is a second round pick that's out the door now. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And. and I think the moral of the story is you can't take these running backs so high because mm-hmm. one injury and they're just not the same player. And he has unfortunately had a couple injuries. Yep. And for as as much as he tried last year, he just didn't have the same burst, didn't have the same speed that he had coming out. And he, he came out with some injury problems too. So sure. he drafted kind of a, an already banged up running back. Hmm. Uh, the other thing that, that the Lions, uh, it, well, I guess it, not really uh, them, but they were they signed Josh Hill, former Saints tight end, uh, I don't know, what was it, two months ago? Yep. Hey, two months ago? I mean, just a, a couple Campbell's weeks guy. ago. 
Well, say that again. I said Dan Campbell's guy used to coach uh, Dan Campbell guy. in New Orleans. Yes, yep. exactly. He retires. So now he's out of the fold in the tight ends room. So they bring in Darren Fells at the tight end position, the former Lion coming back. Uh, and, and he had a really productive couple of years in Houston, 35 years old, uh, 55 catches, 653 yards, and 11 touchdowns in the last two years in Houston. It's it's a nice veteran pickup. I, I think TJ Hawkinson still still your premier tight end, but to to add that level of production, I mean, it probably won't hurt things. Fells is a good blocking tight yeah, end too. I, I think it's probably a wash, if not maybe an upgrade from uh, Hill to Fells. He was a nice player for the Lions, and also like you said, he was he had a pretty productive couple seasons in Houston. I, I think it's a good pick, but. It goes to show you what we said after the draft. Oh, they don't need a tight end. They have Hawkinson and Hill. Well, how quickly that changed. Once Hill retires, sure. now you're shorthanded, just like Carrion. Like you, you go from a, a position of of maybe having some depth to now being with one guy, you might be a little shorthanded. So you never know how deep you are till I guess you get to the season. No doubt, and, and you know you you bring up <laughs> you bring up the the Carrion Johnson stuff. I bet if you're Oregon State's Jamar Jefferson, you're probably thrilled about this. Uh, the, the the chances of you making the 53 are probably pretty decent if you have a, a nice offseason. Yeah, I, I still think they're going to sign a running back. Um, you can't go into the season just with those three guys, especially uh, with Jefferson as as a rookie. Um, right. Yeah, I think you got to sign a running back. One of the other interesting storylines this week that we've been following, obviously, is is the whole situation with Aaron Rodgers, and this has big implications for for the division, obviously. And so, uh, when the report came out on what was it draft draft day, right? Draft yep. night uh, that Aaron Rodgers so unhappy with the organization, so so angry about the fact that they decided to go out and draft Jordan Love last year in the first round, trade up to get him, and so he feels spurned. Uh, which I think is ridiculous. You're Aaron Rodgers. You're, you're the best quarterback in the game. I don't know what you're concerning yourself with Aaron Rodgers for. But but the fact of the matter is, it was when the report came out, when Schefter decided to run with it. And look, he was on Dan Patrick this week, and they had a whole lot to say it, it just about um, you know the actual nuts and bolts reporting of the story. And Schefter was, when he was on with Dan Patrick, said he had no real sources when he went with this story. No new, no new sources here. But on draft day, he goes out and, tr- and, and, and in his tweet, mentioned team and, what was it, team and league sources, Nick? Yeah, team and league sources tell ESPN on Thursday that uh, Aaron Rodgers is disgruntled and wants out. So is this just regurgitating old information? What is this from Schefter? I don't know. Uh, he said there was no new information that he got uh, the day of the draft to report this, but it was a lot of yeah, it was a lot of old information. I'm wondering why he didn't report it earlier. If if he got no new information, why wait? Till why draft was he day? sitting on it? Uh, I don't know. This something stinks here. Something doesn't pass the smell test. So look, we'll, we'll keep an eye on it, but. I don't understand why you're either right, like you said, sitting on the information and not reporting on it, or just regurgitating old information. We knew that he was upset when they drafted Jordan Love. Ah, I don't know. Bizarre. We'll keep an eye on it. Hey, coming up next, we're talking Frank Ragnow's contract. Some really interesting things to say in his press conference 
uh, yesterday. We'll get to that coming up next here on Sports Wrap. Now back to more Sports Wrap. Presented by FanDuel. Download the FanDuel Sports app today. FanDuel, more ways to win. Here's Chris Renwick. All right, Frank Ragnow is going to be around for quite some time. The Lions Pro Bowl Center signed a four-year, $54 million extension, making the highest paid center in the NFL. He'll be with the Lions through 2026. It's a big move. Big move. They're going to they're gonna ride this offensive line for as long as they can, and they're all young, now signed long-term. Uh, it's a big deal for this team moving forward. Uh, yesterday, Ragnow had his, uh, his press conference to talk about the extension, talk about the $54 million deal. Very excited. Uh, and uh, here's how it started. It sounded like this. Uh, hey, guys. Um... I just wanted to start off by thanking a bunch of people. Um, uh, the Ford family, Sheila Ford Hamp, uh, Rod Wood, Brad Holmes, Coach Campbell, Mike Disner, my agents, um, J.R. Carroll, Joe Panos, Brian Murphy, everybody at Athletes First, um, my mom and dad, uh, my, uh, holy cow, uh, my dad. This is a, uh, I don't think it's ever really hit me until right now. Um, just a lot of people to think, and uh, I'm just so very grateful for this, um, to get this deal done. And uh, Detroit Lions fans, um, my teammates, uh, Coach Davidson, Coach Fraley, Billy Yates, uh, Coach Patricia, Bob Quinn for believing in me, um, Coach Bielema, Coach Pittman, Coach Anderson, my high school coaches, Coach Omey, Coach Rossberg, Coach Bailey, Coach Coonan, Coach Tofflin, um, my fiance, Lucy, um, my brothers and sisters, uh, my whole my whole family, man. Um, I'm very grateful today, and I'm very proud to be a Detroit Lion. I'm very excited we got this done. It's a dream come true, and uh, I just wanted to start off by thanking everybody in it. And there's so many more people, and I. I a lot of people usually say, I, uh, like, like, there's so many people I could thank, and, but I, I really want to go on and on right now. Um, there's a lot of people that I'm so grateful for, and uh, I appreciate it. Uh, he obviously got choked up there talking about his, his mom and dad, specifically his dad. Dad passed away back in 2016 of a heart attack. It was, it was uh, not expected. And he says he was, uh, he was surprised at how emotional he got when, when he was talking about his dad. We know what your father's meant to you. Uh, we've, we've talked about it uh, one-on-one in groups when you were drafted. Um, but, you know, you just got choked up once again there in your opening comments and, um, you know, said it, said it just hit you. And I just wonder if you could just elaborate a little bit more um, about why that's, that's resonating particularly with you today. Um, I don't know. When you sign a contract like this, uh, it's kind of hard to digest that amount of money, right? Like, uh, and I don't know, it just must have hit me today. But I mean, me and my dad and uh, my mom, we've kind of planned this, you know, if that makes sense. This has always kind of been the goal uh, since day one. I I, I was uh, at my mom's house yesterday and we were going through some of our school project, one of my school projects from middle school. 
and I, I was either middle school or elementary school. It's the first time I started writing in cursive, whatever age that was. Hopefully it was elementary school, not middle school for anybody <laughs> judging me. But uh, my, I, wrote, I had wrote that my goal was to make it to the NFL and be able to take care of my parents. And they're just, uh, my dad is, and my mom are just my people, you know, and I'm very grateful for them. And, uh, you know, my dad's not here, but I'm very excited to take care of my mom. Uh, Cause I had an amazing childhood, man. And um, I'm just so proud of the way I was raised and how I was raised and uh, my upbringing and uh, to, to be able to give back to my mom. I wish I could give back to my dad and, you know, go fishing with them and everything. But to be able to give back to my mom and my family, it means the world. All right. So he signs his $54 million four-year deal, gigantic deal. Uh, and he was asked about what his dad would say to him on a day like today. What would he say to you today? What would his, his message be to you, you know, if he was here to, to you know, enjoy this with you? Uh, you know, I was texting some of my dad's buddies. Um they, they said they were all crying, you know, and uh, my one but dad's buddy, Toby Saxon, uh, he said he'd be doing cartwheels. He said he had a pretty mad cartwheel, uh, but he'd probably call me a schmo for crying on national media or whatever. <laughs> but, uh, you know, he uh, he used to always say this thing. He's like, I'm just going to keep putting pizzas oven and pizzas in the oven. And then one day you'll buy me a helicopter. So I'm sure he'll be saying something like that. <laughs> he'd be ecstatic. Uh, my mom and my brothers and sisters even would give him crap because – he would just he uh he couldn't turn it off you know he would uh he would talk about me quite a bit he had he had google alerts set so like if any of you guys wrote anything he'd be the first to read it and send me and he'd say pretty cool sport pretty cool champ so he i mean he'd be telling everybody anything anyone who wants to hear you know one of the the the, the awesome things about frank rag now you you just you go back and watch that press conference he's in like like a brown car heart hoodie Big fisherman. Uh, now he's got this, uh, I don't know, what, like a production company that he's uh, wearing GoPros when he's going fishing. He's just a normal guy who, who happens to be a gigantic human being and really good at football. And he was talking about how he kind of found out this deal was being done, just hanging at home with his with his fiance Lucy. And then his, his mom brought over some, I don't know, what was it, cookie dough? I mean, listen to this. It, it was incredible. I know you've been asked about your dad. I, I kind of wanted to ask about your mom. I remember when you made the Pro Bowl, you said, you know, that uh, it was so frustrating for you not to be able to talk to her and tell her the news and celebrate with her like that. So I'm guessing, could you walk us through like when you knew this deal was going to happen and, and how you were able to tell your mom what that conversation was like and, and the celebrations with, with her and your family? Uh, so the deal has been in work for a few months now, I guess. And uh, I guess I knew it was getting getting close these past couple of weeks uh and then this week it was actually whatever uh what day is it it was late wednesday night and uh i was my agent had called me and he kind of told me that i think we're almost there and then we kind of went through everything and agreed to it and then uh I, my mom my fiance called my mom over to the house and she brought cookie dough and made cookies and uh you know she's probably mad at me because i'm crying right now and i feel like <laughs> moment i got we were just all just like my brother was watching the the minnesota timberwolves getting mad at them and we were just sitting there kind of taking in the night it's pretty normal night it just hadn't hit us right like we're just normal people and uh it's kind of a hard thing to digest and like right after they left i texted my family uh text message and i was like 
I'm sorry, guys. I don't even know how to react about this. So we're all still kind of digesting. I mean, I'm sure I'll go home and cry now, especially with it being Mother's Day. But uh, uh, it was uh, it was very, I guess, uh, uneventful, if that makes sense. It's just like it's hard to even fathom. Right. It's just crazy. And then the, the, the greatest part is he's like, look, I had a little trip to the UP planned this whole, uh, this whole signing, this massive contract through the whole damn thing off. He says he's still going though. I actually was planning to drive to the UP yesterday. Had to delay that, but I'm uh, that's the first thing I'm doing. I'm going to UP and uh, going to go try to smash my uh, personal best small mouth to celebrate, then go, get home in time for mother's day. What is your record for a small mouth? Uh, right now I'm at five, three, three, five point three three pounds, which is it's solid, but it needs improvement. Boy, you're going five point three three. It's oddly specific. Nick, what do you think about this signing? I absolutely love it. I think it's great. Yeah, I love it too. I mean, just what you said earlier. He's perfect for Detroit, and he's just like you and me, except he's much, much bigger and better at football. <laughs> but like, yeah, like you said. He's going through his uh, cursive project with his mom. His mom brought over cookie dough. Uh, he's wearing this sweatshirt. Like that's that's like us. Uh, he's perfect for Detroit, and I and I love yeah. that he's here. Yeah, no, there's no doubt about it. And look, I I think uh, you, you talk about specifically. We talked about it a little bit last week with Dave Burkett and his piece. Feed the beast. What is this team's beast? It's the offensive line, and now they are investing heavily, heavily in that unit and it will pay dividends be it this year or in the near future but this team is going to be or at least that unit is going to be a force to be reckoned with and it'll be anchored in the middle by frank ragnow until at least 2026 and he's got a lot of money to uh to buy some dinners for these guys all right more on sports wrap coming up next here on jail now back to more sports wrap Presented by FanDuel. Download the FanDuel Sports app today. FanDuel, more ways to win. Here's Chris Renwick. I tell you, it was a wild week in the NHL. I don't know if you saw the game earlier in the week. It was uh, Capitals-Rangers. And uh, they uh, on the Capitals, they got a guy named Tom Wilson. If you, if you haven't seen him play... He's, I mean, he's he's kind of a throwback, but he's also, he's got this... He's got this offensive game to him, but he's an enforcer. I mean, it's it, it, you, you kind of mashing two different eras of NHL hockey together, and you get Tom Wilson, a fighter, skilled agitator, and then a guy who, who can put the puck in the net, good passer. He's just an all-around pest for other teams, and he's certainly gotten into trouble before, and then he stepped in it again this week. Uh, it was Capitals-Rangers on Monday night, skirmish in the corner, and uh, Tom, it was Tom Wilson who got into it uh, with uh, Pavel Buchnevich and threw him into the ice. Then in comes Artemi Panarin, and, and who is a star player in the NHL, specifically for New York. And it, it, look, Tom Wilson took him to the ground, threw a pie. I mean, it was it was a little bit of a nasty move. So Tom Wilson gets popped five grand, which is the maximum. Uh, fine under the CBA in the NHL. And then that was it. There was no other action here, no suspension. So the Rangers put out this scathing tweet, uh, uh, basically ripping the NHL for not doing more, not punishing Tom Wilson more, who's a repeat offender. 
And then they get popped 250 K for throwing a tweet out like that, that basically uh, throwing the NHL under, under the bus. It was a wild week and look, we'll, we'll get into it all. And, and to help us break it all down, Kevin Allen, who is a, a famed hockey writer, formerly of USA today, currently with HockeyBuzz.com and sports betting dime.com. Uh, and he joins us here on sports wrap this evening. Kev, what's going on? How you doing? I'm, I'm doing great. And uh, your description of Tom Wilson and the, uh, his antics and the craziness of uh, what followed uh, was right on the money. Uh, this certainly was a very unusual uh, situation, to say the least. So in, in under the, the NHL CBA with the players, the, that $5,000 fine is the maximum fine they could get. So they, they got them on the max number amount in terms of dollars that they could fine them. But and it, 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 look, if, you, if you're listening out there and you haven't seen it, hit on, head on over to YouTube, wherever, Twitter, you can find it. It's all over the place. Why wasn't he suspended? Why was it further action taken? Again, specifically keeping in mind that, you know, he's kind of been in some hot water before. Well, absolutely. And uh, that's the question that hasn't been answered and probably now won't be answered because, um, you know, the issue has, be, has moved beyond uh, what he actually did and then, you know, more into the realm of, uh, uh, you know, what happens from here. But, you know, you, in, those, in that situation, um, usually the reality is somewhere in the middle. You know, after it happened, you saw on social media, uh, Caps fans were defending that as uh, just a, um, as a result of uh, uh, the game action and the fact Panarin jumped on his back and uh, Wilson was just reacting to that, not knowing who Panarin was. And of course, other people were calling for Wilson to be banned. You know, he's already been, as you mentioned, been suspended 30 games in his career. It's not like he's been a 10-year veteran. Uh, it's been around a while, but uh, 30 games is a lot. But uh, I suspected it would be a uh, uh, a suspension that would go last into the playoffs. I thought it would bite uh, the Capitals in that regard. So I was a little bit surprised when he got nothing on him. But uh, if you look at the video, to me, uh, what he needs to pay a price for is the viciousness, the cruelty uh, of his actions, the recklessness of it. He could have seriously hurt Panarin, and I'm I'm sure he knew who was on his back. Uh, and I don't know. I don't, I don't think he was reacting. And, you know, he, he couldn't with a, a straight face walk into a hearing and say, you know, I never intended to hurt, hurt the guy. Mm-hmm. Because if you look at how he slams him on the ice, uh, you know, you can't do anything but conclude that, uh, you know, he wanted to uh, bring some physical pain to the player he was attacking. So I thought he should have been suspended. And then, of course, because he wasn't, uh, you know, the Rangers were kind of called out and they had to react. And the way they reacted was 1970s style. There was a line mm-hmm. brawl to start the game. Uh, and as NBC's Keith Jones pointed out, you know, they did it in a civil fashion. They matched up the players by weight and experience of fighting. And, you know, so no one had a real advantage. And, you know, to be honest with you, it was silly. Um, but they did what they were supposed to do, thereby you know, uh, at least in the dressing room, I could pat themselves on the back and say, hey, we sure. stood up for ourselves. And then somebody attacked Tom Wilson, Brendan Smith, an ex-Red Wing, mm-hmm. uh, and they had a battle as well. But, you know, all of this could have been avoided had um, the, the, the Office of uh, uh, Department of Safety just, uh, you know, done their job and suspended them. And, you know, I, I think their thought was is that the wrestling match was 
one of many that goes on during the course of the game, and that's true. We see those kinds of interactions all the time. But what we don't see was the level of viciousness and cruelty and the sure. recklessness of, of throwing it down. So, you know, the, the league should have done something now. Should the Rangers have done what they did? I mean, dereliction of duty, that sounds pretty mm-hmm. ominous. Sounds like a, a military uh, charge. That's what they said that uh, George Peros, the, uh, you know, the boss, uh, the, the czar of uh, discipline, uh, was guilty of. And because of that, I, I think, uh, you know, before, I think, the sentiment was is that the department had done a poor job in not suspending him, but because the Rangers did what they did and singled out Peros, I think it's sort of now kind of drawn the league kind of closer together and everybody was saying, well, you can't say that sure. about one of our employees. So I think it sort of backfired uh, uh, the memo from the Rangers. Yeah, and look, I, I agree with you. I think he should have been suspended. I, I, I How long, I couldn't even really fathom, but you know, I think a lot of people would say, look, this could be the wussification of the sport, of hockey. I mean, hockey's always been a very physical game, either, you know, whether it's in the actual gameplay or the fighting, it's always been a part of the game. But it's when it crosses that line and knowing where that line is, that's where we have to, you know, we have to make sure that that's clear. And then if somebody needs to be penalized, they need to be. I want to move on here because uh, we got Stanley Cup playoffs just around the corner. And you look at some of the teams that are in the mix here, specifically the, the, the top two teams in each division and with everything being COVID this year, everything's a little wacky. But you talk about the Central and the Hurricanes and the Lightning, the East with the Pens and the Caps. You got Vegas and Colorado out west, and Toronto and Edmonton up north. Uh, who do you like in in this uh, this playoff landscape here? Obviously, uh, you, you look at teams like the Caps and the Hurricanes have been really good this year too. How do you see this thing shaking out here in the next couple of weeks? Well, I mean, I, I really like the Carolina Hurricanes uh, all season long. Uh, they're the most uh, uh, interesting team I've seen all season in terms of they seem to have everything going well. They're goaltending even though it's not a big name Peter Morazek is the, the former Red Wing is, is their guy it ranks third in save percentage in the entire league their defense is among the best in the league and their offense is uh, is quite dynamic so I, I like Carolina as kind of a I don't know if we want to call them a surprise but at the start of the year no one thought they were going to be the team to beat but I think it's either them or Tampa because I think the East teams are going to beat themselves up you know that's mm-hmm. a bunch of really good teams in the East and in the West, I, I, I really like uh, uh, Vegas. Uh, Vegas, everyone talked about Colorado the whole time. But now if you look at who's played the best through the season, and again, they've got everything going. They've got the goaltending um, out there with both Leonard and Fleury playing well. They've got a really strong offense. Um, and then, of course, their defense, uh, in my opinion, is actually underrated. And the offseason sign of signing of Petrangelo has really helped that. But here's my uh, dark horse. Uh, the Minnesota Wild, I, I think, have played very, very well. No one's paying much attention to them. Uh, they've been every bit as good as uh, most of the teams in the West. And, um, you know, Bill Guerin has gone in there as the general manager and really changed, call it chemistry, call it culture, whatever it is, it's different now in Minnesota. And they've got uh, uh, Kaprizov, the rookie, who's uh, as dynamic as any young rookie we've probably since uh, mm-hmm. you know, Crosby and Bashkin came in. Yeah. Yeah, and I think Toronto's played pretty well. And, and look, no uh, Canadian NHL team has won since 93 when Montreal did it. So we'll see if that uh, can move the needle here and, and a Canadian team can, can can bring the cup 
back to Canada. Uh, one of the other things I want to talk with you about before we let you go, I know your time's short and I appreciate your time. Uh, but one of the other things was, look, with the Red Wings rebuild, Steve Eiserman coming home, going to try to right this ship a little bit. We've been trying to figure out what we've learned from this team this year, right? What, what were kind of the things that have stuck out like a sore thumb, good or bad? Dylan Larkin didn't have a very good year, but you talk about the moves that Steve Eiserman's made trading uh, Anthony Mantha, bringing in Jacob Verona, who looks like a promising uh, player for this organization and is a restricted free agent in the off season. So we'll see if Stevie decides to bring him back, but look, I think there are some things there are moves being made. The, the, the pawns and the chess pieces are being moved around the board to where it looks like this thing is, headed in the right direction. What'd you learn from the Red Wings this year? Well, I, I think you just said it. What we learned is Steve Eisenman is the general manager we thought he was going to be. Um, you know, very bold in his uh, uh, player acquisition. Like, that's a bold trade, to trade uh, Mantha for Verona. And, you know, obviously it's a trade uh, I think he'd make all day because he, he got a player that is comparable to Mantha, and he also got a first and second round pick. Uh you know, it's it's just a great trade. They're different kinds of players. Uh, Rana is, uh, you know, a little more dynamic, and and uh, Mantha is bigger and stronger and tougher. But Rana uh, is a uh, a year younger, so you know, I really like that move. And I, I think the other thing we learned is too by Mantha going to Washington. If you watched him in the first four or five games, I know he hasn't scored in a while, but he looks different w- with that group. Yes. And the reason he looks different is because that is a very good team and i think it should mm-hmm. remind us all and i think steve eisenman even said this in mid-season that he wasn't worried about the results the scoring statistics of his players he just liked sure. the fact that they were all doing what they're supposed to do well sure. what it reminds us is if you had put zadina or some of the younger players on really good teams they would have better numbers if dylan larkin played for the washington capitals he would have much better numbers than he's got. This no season. doubt. The Red Wings aren't a good yeah, team. When you, <laughs> Kev, when you, when you've got that surrounding cast around you, it, it makes oh. a lot, uh, it makes it makes your job a whole lot easier. Look, I, I always appreciate your time and, and talking with you. I sure. hope you'll come back and talk with us again soon. Be glad to. Thank you. All right. There he is. Kevin Allen, formerly of USA Today, now with HockeyBuzz.com and SportsBettingDime.com. Looking into the NHL crystal ball, seeing what's going to, Shake down in the Stanley Cup playoffs. We'll make sure we keep you up to date on that as well. All right, more sports wrap coming up next here on WJR. Now back to more sports wrap. Presented by FanDuel. Download the FanDuel Sports app today. FanDuel, more ways to win. Here's Chris Renwick. All right, June 28th to July 4th, the Rocket Mortgage Classic coming back to Detroit Golf Club. And look, it's very exciting. Fans are expected to be in attendance. We've seen it across tour uh, stops all across the country. More fans coming in. The galleries are getting bigger, and it's expected to be happening here at Detroit Golf Club starting June 28th. Our Paul W. Smith caught up with Jason Langwell to talk about that and a lot more this week. Based on the most recent order from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services regarding coronavirus policies for outdoor events, uh, we're looking at uh, a wonderful, uh, last year it was without anyone in the gallery, now it's we're going to have a gallery. That's uh, the really good news. Jason Langwell back with this executive director of the Rocket Mortgage Classic. I know that was a, a weight off your uh, mind, wasn't it? 
Yeah, it sure was, Paul W. Yeah, good to be back with you. We're uh, obviously very excited to be making plans to welcome fans back uh, to Detroit Golf Club. Not just fans of golf, but fans of Detroit and fans of just plain old summer fun to get them back out to the Rocket Mortgage Classic the week of June 28th to July 4th. So we're uh, we're very excited about the news and, and making active plans. There's a, a great opportunity, limited ticket options available now via donation to the Faces of Area 313 program. Mm-hmm. You can go to rocketmortgageclassic.com, rocketmortgageclassic.com for more information uh, about the general admission tickets as well. What else can you tell us? Yeah, no, we're excited about that. Currently, fans, as you mentioned, Paul W., can uh, get a ticket for access uh, to Monday and Tuesday at Tournament Week by making a donation to our Faces of Area 313 program presented by Priority Health. Uh, so companies and community uh, members can go and pledge $313 to have uh, their face or that of a fellow fan or first responder or a loved one, maybe lost through COVID, to be prominently displayed on an electronic video board or along the hospitality structures within Area 313. And each donation is going to be matched dollar for dollar by Priority Health, which has pledged kindly $50,000 to the initiative. And uh, yeah, you can. Uh, faces are available on RocketMortgageClassic.com, and, and each purchase is going to be accompanied by a ticket that allows fans access to come out on Monday and Tuesday, where we'll have a youth clinic, we'll have the most, uh, the best special event in the PGA Tour, uh, the Area 313 Celebrity Scramble. So we don't have. Uh, we're going to make some announcements soon about other ticket sale offers. So stay tuned on that. But uh, that's the opportunity right, right now to go and uh, take advantage. Jason Langwell on with us, the executive director of the Rocket Mortgage Classic. June 28th through July 4th. And the big announcement, of course, that fans, we the people, will be able to be there enjoying this wonderful golf with the Rocket Mortgage Classic. And uh, the one thing we haven't been able to announce, and I understand why, Jason Langwell, uh, is we don't know how many fans are going to be allowed because by then we don't know what the rules will be, do we? No, that's right. That's right. But uh, we're making plans now to welcome fans back and as we do that, uh, our number one priority is going to be the health and safety of everyone on site, fans, players, caddies, the community around us. And I think we showed back in 2020 with a return to golf uh, events that we ran that we could conduct the competition safely. And uh, we did that, right? But since then, we've, there's been a ton of PGA Tour events that take place, dozens of them. And we've been watching and learning from them and how they've enhanced their safety measures, but also how they've created a great experience. And so, I think your listeners can know that, uh, you know, and be excited about the fact that we're going to be working closely with, uh, you know, state and local officials and mayor's been great. Governor Whitmer and her team's been great. And we're going to have a great event for fans, but as they enjoy it, they're going to be able to feel safe because they're going to be safe. Sure. And as much as we all get excited about having the best golfers in the world play right here in Detroit, really when it comes down to it, and you've affected the entire golf tour, the rocket mortgage classic is, is really all about charity. I want yeah. you to remind our WGR listeners about the, the Changing the Course initiative, which we've kicked off uh, earlier, and how their purchase of tickets, concessions, merchandise, and more supports our very communities in Detroit. Jason? Yeah, well, that's right. We're a 501c3, uh, Paul W. All of our net proceeds go to charity, which has been you know Dan Gilbert's vision and legacy from the beginning. And uh, you know, I sit on the board of the Rocket Giving Fund, led by Rocket Mortgage CEO Jay Farner. We've been really creative about trying to find ways to, you know, generate proceeds for our Changing the Course initiative that we announced last year. Uh, around this time, a multi-year campaign aimed to end the digital divide here in Detroit. And the vision 
from the get-go here was to have every Detroit resident have access to the internet, to technology, to digital literacy training uh, that they deserve. And as we know, the, the pandemic shined a, a light on a number of unaddressed underlying issues and internet accessibility was definitely the, the, the biggest that we saw and the most severe. So through the Changing the Course initiative, uh, the Rocket Giving Fund last year, we uh, dispersed over $2.1 million to the Connect 313 Fund. Uh, that fund is already making a big impact. And uh, it's why we do the event is to impact the outcome here in Detroit. And uh, we're looking forward to being able to make a significant financial contribution following this year's tournament as well that's going to produce some amazing results and help to change the course here in Detroit. Jason Langwell, Executive Director, Rocket Mortgage Classic, coming our way right here at the Detroit Golf Club where we're broadcasting from this morning. That'll be June 28th through July 4th. You can go to rocketmortgageclassic.com for more information. And we learned yesterday, speaking with Jim Fitterling, the CEO of Dow, and Chris Chandler, the Executive Director of the Dow Great Lakes Bay Invitational, that they're working closely with you, Jason, on mm-hmm. the John Shippen. Why don't you uh, remind people what that's all about? Yeah, yeah, the John Shippen, uh, that's right, Paul W., is named after the first American golf professional who uh, also happened to be black. Um, we designed the event to provide some opportunities that can really increase inclusion in golf, both on and off the golf course. And so the John Shippen is two events in one. It's a two-day golf competition followed by a two-day sports business summit. The John Shippen National Invitational Golf Competition, it's going to feature the top black women and men golfers, amateur and professional in the nation. The men's division is going to play a competition, and the winner is going to earn an exemption into the Rocket Mortgage Classic. And in the women's division, as you mentioned, uh, we're working with Dow. It's going to be a two-person team competition with the winning team earning an exemption into the Dow Great Lakes Bay Invitational. And then the John Shippen Sports Business Summit is going to immediately follow a two-day summit where high school and college-age men and women of color are going to be able to learn from and hear about the sports industry. Uh, athletes, influencers, professionals, and we're going to offer paid internships and scholarship opportunities are going to be made available to to those that attend the event. And we're just really excited about it. At the end of the day, we think it's it's really important now more than ever to take real meaningful, tangible steps to address inclusion and equity in the game of golf. And under the leadership of Rocket Mortgage, Trina Scott, great leadership uh, from her and the entire community, Dow, uh, a number of other of our great partners are are gonna are are gonna do that and take action to uh, to impact that outcome. And it's a great event, it's an inaugural event, and one that just ties into uh, to an event that really pays off and shows why what we're doing here is more than just about running golf tournaments and about impacting the outcome here in Detroit and beyond. Obviously, and for many good reasons, WJR supports you in every way. You'll be back often talking about this. Anything you want to leave us with this morning, Jason? No, just that we're excited. we got a great field coming. Excited to have Bryson DeChambeau and the top players in the world coming um, back to the event. And uh, as I said, stay tuned for more. But in the meantime, uh, please visit RocketMortgageClassic.com or on our Faces of Area 313 program to uh, secure your tickets for early week action. And uh, just really excited to bring this event back to Detroit. All right, there's going to be a lot of firepower there. Bryson DeChambeau, who won last year, Jason Day, Bubba Watson, Ricky Fowler, Harold Varner III, all expected to be there. It's going to be very exciting. That'll tee off June 28th. Looking forward to it. All right, that's going to do it for us today. We'll be back with you tomorrow, 6 p.m. Don't go anywhere. Make sure you keep it here to WJR. And we will be back with you tomorrow, Sunday, at 6 p.m. Thank you, Nick Roddy. Thank you, Danielle Mason. That'll do it for us today. I'll be back with you tomorrow. Have yourself a wonderful rest of your Saturday.